Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us today on Camp Radio. Uh, my name's Brad. Today we have with us Jake, Matt, and Chad. Uh, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name's Jake Honeycutt. I'm the student and admissions pastor at Beaver Dam Baptist Church in Halls, which is north of Knoxville, Tennessee. I've got a lovely wife and two baby boys and another boy on the way, so it's fun times. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm Matt Crabtree. I'm a student pastor at Walsh Memorial Baptist Church, also in North Knoxville. Uh, I've got an amazing wife, uh, no kids, but uh, we still have fun. And I am Chad Davenport, the associate student pastor at Wallace Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, I have no wife or kids, but uh, I have a beautiful girlfriend, and I do okay. All right. Well, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, maybe some things that you've never been taught in school or seminary, just some things that you guys, uh, that some of these guys have picked up along the way. I know that uh, in the past we were talking about kind of... Um, Stealing maybe some material, uh, quote unquote, stealing material from other pastors. Whoever wants to, Jake, you want to start us off on that one? I have a list of things that I don't think I learned in seminary. Nice. Um, but one of them is the, I guess, the false understanding that everything has to be an original thought. Sometimes I find myself uh, beating my head against the wall trying to figure out something new and fresh to show or teach our kids or something new and fresh to post on Instagram or whatever. Um, and I was, we were together with some other student pastor guys at the beginning of kind of the COVID situation that we're in now. And one of the guys, I can't even remember who it was, but he was like, oh yeah, we're just getting together, stealing stuff, just, you know, doing what we do. Most of student ministry is about stealing stuff. And that just kind of like flipped a switch in my head of like, hey, it's okay to bounce ideas off of each other. It's okay to quote-unquote steal someone's idea. Um, I like to be un- upfront with them about it. Be like, hey, that's an awesome idea. I'm going to use that. And typically, we're okay with that. I think the the biggest difference between the, you know, the academic world of, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, you're going to Bible college for your undergrad or you're going to seminary and, you know, the real world of ministry is, in the academic world, if there's one thing I learned, it's that everything is plagiarism somehow. Mm-hmm. You can even plagiarize yourself, which is weird to me, but you can. You have to like properly cite your past works. There's such an, an emphasis on make sure this is your original work and everything. But in the real world, the reality is we're all on the same team. We are all working for the same God, for the same kingdom, and if you're your mind and your heart are in the right place, you're going to want to you know, help your fellow brothers in Christ in what they're doing in their ministry. So it, it's one, don't be afraid to you know, take other ideas and also don't be so you know, protective of your own brilliant original idea that you wouldn't be willing to share it. It's just yeah. the reality of ministry is uh, originality is not as important as gospel and impact. Right. Yeah, I think the the hard part too, and a hard lesson that, that I've definitely learned over time is 
the different contexts of different ministries and different sizes and different budgets where you're like, I love that idea and I'd love to apply that idea, but my budget is nowhere near theirs or, but how can I still use maybe some of the, the things that they're doing and some maybe more of the concept of what they're doing and, and apply it to, to, I guess, fit our student ministry and, and our budget and oh, like for for example, like we saw a lot of student ministries bring in like concert artists and stuff to their events. I'm like oh, we've never done that before to bring in like a hip hop artist to something. And so while we're not going to bring in Andy Minio or Lecrae because they're obviously way too much money, we're like, hey, what's maybe a new up and coming guy that uh, isn't that much money and we can that we can bring into something. So still finding ideas, not necessarily copying. But still learning from them and saying, hey, they, that's been successful to help them in their ministry and then applying it to your current context. That's the thing, right? I think it it's pretty cool. Like a lot of the ideas and stuff sometimes I get are from people who are like totally in a different realm of student ministry than I am. Mm-hmm. And when I kind of rebrand that idea to fit our student ministry, like like you said, it, it becomes a new, fresh idea, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like it. It's just kind of a, the creative process of borrowing ideas and then letting that idea kind of morph into something different. Similar to Inception, I guess you could say. <laughs> I, I say it's more... It was so simple until you said that. <laughs> well, I say it's more of like getting inspiration, I guess, more than, than it is, I guess, stealing. I guess we can kind of joke about that. And like like Jake said, I think somebody hopped on that Zoom call early on and was like, hey, I'm just here to steal y'all's ideas. And so like we can joke and stuff. But in reality, I mean, it's the same thing with like creatives and artists. I mean, they have books of portraits and paintings and, and videos and guys that they look up to that they... I mean, any musician typically has somebody they've been influenced by. And so I think it's no different in ministry. There's guys that you look up to that that you try to get ideas from and, and then end up making it your own um, in your own creative way and in the ways that God is leading you in your ministry. Yeah, and you see that in every facet of ministry, whether it be from you know the event planning side that Matt was talking about earlier or even from a... A teaching and preaching standpoint, like anyone who preaches the word of God, you're probably going to be able to tell, okay, he's influenced by this guy or this guy. Or if you if you know, oh, he was mentored by Johnny Hunt, for example, uh, you're probably going to see some of that rubbing off in uh, in the way that you deliver the word of God. Not that it's exactly the same, but that influence is almost inescapable and, and a good thing because it's you know, it's it's you making it your own thing. Yeah, that's been evident through this pandemic. All the Paula White videos that Chad's been watching, it's definitely been making a big impact. I've been speaking a lot into existence. <laughs> so I think one of the things, I know they didn't teach me, but it's become more, I guess, relevant now. But managing that discouragement that you get when things in your ministry ebb and flow. So, like, when you have a great event and you're on a super high and then, like, three weeks later, like half your people are gone. Okay. How do I manage this discouragement? How do I, I think also like gauging success as well. That was a huge thing. Like, I don't know that I was taught, Hey, this is how you gauge success when you can't do it on numbers. No, that's really good. I think like, I'm still trying to figure out that answer. I think in church world, unfortunately, success is still, it's still based off of numbers and that's so hard to do. I mean, I know like it got to the point where on a Wednesday it'd be, 605 and we're about to put the countdown up and i'm looking out and and that the fact of that the number of kids in the room at that point could impact how i'm feeling right before i step on stage to to welcome them or to to get worship going and 
and that's just awful and, and that I even got to that point. But it's when people in the church are even recognizing, saying, hey, it's awesome. There's more students in your ministry. And that's the only thing they're pointing out mm-hmm. of the good things that's happening in your ministry. It, it kind of can get into your head to where it's like, well, wait, are you, you haven't even asked about Bobby over here who just got baptized or Susie over here who we've seen so much growth in. Like, you're not even asking about those stories. You're just asking how many we have on Wednesdays. And so when that's all you're continually asked, that can continue to just eat away at you to where when the numbers aren't there, you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing something wrong or something's. And when in reality, there was a softball and a soccer game and a play that all that same night that just knocked out half your kids. And so it had nothing to do with what you did. But in that moment, you think that it's something all of a sudden that you're doing wrong. And so that, that's that's been hard to learn. Yeah, and I think it should be addressed how deeply ingrained that is into just the church or pastoral mindset, like even you know, other pastors on our staff, and I'm not you know talking bad about anyone, but it's just so natural to us. And I, I you know, I've done the same thing with other ministries. Is oh, so how uh, how'd the six go tonight? And it was it was really good. How many kids did you have? Like that's the first immediate mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Uh, not how was worship, or did did anyone respond, or any any of those personalized story. It automatically goes to numbers, and and I'm not. Of course, I'm not assigning blame there. I'm just saying it's so deeply ingrained into uh, the way we, we've come up thinking that mm. it, we we don't even think of it a lot of times as maybe this isn't the way that we should be gauging success. Right. Uh, but like Matt said, you know, do we know what the exact metric is? I, I don't think it can be that necessarily objective and, and observable. It would be, it, it's more complicated than that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those things where you know, we, we see often in all forms of ministry, because I know at camp, you know, that's that's something that people always ask us is like, you know, numbers of how many kids you had. We have um, this thing that we do in the summer. It's called All Nations Camp. And, you know, it's probably our largest camp of the year numbers wise. Uh, you know, we're pushing 400 plus. But the thing that to me that's more impressing uh, impressive is the fact that how many churches actually come. It's not the number of kids, but how many churches come. And, you know, you know, that's not something that people tend to think about, but it's one of these things where I guess it's all in what you put value in and what you think is important. And I know from, from day one that numbers for whatever reason, uh, and it's about how many you have. And sadly, you know, that's just, that's a part of it. So let me ask you this. What do you guys do? I know that we're saying that that's not important or we, we don't want to put value in it. What, what are some ways that you guys kind of either help? Do you, do you try to educate people when they say something to you about that? Do you just let it roll off your back? What, like, what are, what are some approaches that you take um, to that? I would like to say that I, I do educate people, but a lot of times I just let it roll and keep going and yeah. unfortunately let it frustrate me. I mean, there's occasionally times that, especially when they ask about an event and they all they do is ask about numbers, I'll follow it up with, well, we also had this, this, and this happen. Like this student who we've just seen struggling, finally just surrendered that to the Lord. And and we're seeing them really take their faith serious now or something like that. And just to let those stories be more of what people are focusing on, but it's definitely something, I mean, I'm not been a student ministry crazy long, only about five years now. And so that's, it's been a lesson that that I'm still learning and how to educate people when it comes to that and for them to understand that. Um, and we're seeing that spill over some and them understanding the, why we even do these events. And it's 
uh, for even for our parents to kind of understand too that, that while we do want to have fun, that we want your kids to go to these events because we truly believe they're going to leave change. Right. And, and that's just a better job that we have to do in educating them on that. Yeah. And I think just the more over time, the more anecdotal you can make your answers to those questions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even if the question is about numbers, answer the question because that's, you know, it's kind of annoying if you don't answer the question right. that's given <laughs> to you, but you know, follow it up by, by emphasizing the importance of growth that you're seeing in students. Right. Like, you know, it can even come with, you know, at a camp or a D now or something mm-hmm. like that. You can have your numbers for attend for who attended, but there's also like, so what about salvations? How mm-hmm. many salvations did you have? And and there's uh, the church over the, over the years has you know maybe made an emotional plea to get a lot of people to come down and mm-hmm. to have you know oh if one friend of a popular kid goes down and you know gets saved then everyone else follows mm-hmm. him and then how do you really know and the, and there's that whole thing and your numbers look fantastic but then there's not any fruit and there's not any life right. change right. that you see but so you know instead of trying to almost manufacture numbers in that way maybe you can focus on you know spiritual victories that you're seeing you know apart from salvation itself obviously you want right. you want salvation you pray that the spirit of god will will step out of heaven and will right. uh, you know will save those those kids but you know for example like one huge victory that i saw in our d now that we recently did was uh, a kid who's generally pretty not engaged he'll show up um you know a lot of weeks but He's just kind of there. Right. Uh, you know, I, I was sitting in with him during one of the sessions and, and during worship about the, the third song. And I just looked over and he's just singing out mm-hmm. to, to God and something that I've never seen him do before. And so even things like that, it's like you're seeing that kind of growth or that kind of movement of the spirit of God, even if it can't be measured by a number right. or by a, a uh, we had this many salvations or this many here or this many baptisms or this many rededications or or whatever it's just this guy is different than he was before and that and that's a noticeable change you know we can't just throw numbers out you know completely like we have to have something to go off of to say okay in the spring we had 100 students and now we have 50 students those 50 students that are gone have names Mm -hmm. and they they're important and so we need to know where they're at I think that's the most important thing is we have to go past the number itself and into the names that go with those numbers. Um, Because if we just stick with that surface level of the numbers, then those kids get lost. And how easy is it for a kid to slip between the cracks when we're talking about, you know, 75, 100 kids or with you guys, however many, 300, like that's kids. not 300, but... Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let let's the, rec- talk, let's let the record numbers now. <laughs> yeah, let the yeah, record yeah. show Wallace has 300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, back to 75 and 100. <laughs> I just, I mean, just the reality of, especially in this time that we've been in, of it being difficult for kids to connect with you. And, like, when you reach out, you're just getting crickets. Where are those kids at? You know, not only physically but where are they at spiritually and that's been the struggle with me of like i know for a fact that isolation is detrimental to these kids and yet they're not here and i can't physically make them come and i can't physically make them connect with us online i can't go to their house and turn on our youtube channel to make them watch our sermon from last week and so just 
just the unknown of where is this kid at. Yeah, I'd say another big thing I guess that I've learned is the ability to be strong in other areas of ministry as well outside of just relating to students. Because when you're a student pastor, at least in the sizes of our churches, you are the student discipleship pastor, you are the student missions pastor, you are the student probably worship pastor. And, and for you to learn all these different areas, I know when I started, well, I'm not musically gifted whatsoever. I love worship music, but just... I didn't know what the chords were called that you plugged into a soundboard. And so little things like that, even that you have to learn over time to make a Wednesday night happen. Uh, when, if, if you don't have maybe the help that you need at the time to make it, to make it work. And so even learning things like sound and tech and that type of stuff and learning different discipleship methods and, and learning missions from other people. And there's just so many different areas of student ministry like you don't want to be siloed and consider yourself like a little church within a church but at the same time you still have all the areas of the church that you're still trying to make a part as part of your ministry so when they leave they are there is a discipleship process they are involved in missions there is an importance when it comes to worship and so that's definitely been something that that i've had to learn over time is to to make your student ministry encompass all of those things and then me grow as well in all of those areas yeah, that that's a, a great point. I really have learned this since I've come to Wallace, because before Wallace, I was at First Baptist Church Woodstock, which is a mega church, and I never had to think about anything like tech or anything like that. If if I knew what I wanted, I would talk to the guy in the, in the creative services department and say, this is what we need for Wednesday night, and they would... Uh, yeah, they, and they would get it done. And that's like the life I knew. I was so spoiled rotten, and I come to Wallace, and Matt's like, all right, we're going to plug this here and this here, and I'm like, I don't know the difference in these cables, and we're going to use this light box or whatever. And I'm like, I'm st- I still am terrible at all that. But, you know, learning, learning those skills and also not uh, – a big thing for me is not letting skills that you are not as comfortable with prevent you from making your ministry as great as it can be be like oh well, i'm not good at this so we're not going to do it it needs to be i'm not good at this so i'm going to learn how to do this right or find somebody that is good at it or find somebody that is good at it but yeah. you, unfortunately you can't always yeah do that sometimes sometimes you just got to bite the bullet yeah. <laughs> i'm and and i say that because i am i guess that's another thing they don't teach us is like delegation because i have spent years trying to just do everything on an island on, mm-hmm. by myself and now I'm in a position where there's so many moving parts and pieces that I can't do that like I physically have to practice delegation and so being able to say no to something one but also being able to say okay I don't know how to do that but I think I might know maybe a couple people who could at least teach me to do it or they might step up and just do it and so th- that's that's huge for me yeah delegation is a is a struggle if you don't do it well you will get burnt out so much quicker and and i've been slapped in the face several times the past five years of not not literally nobody slapped me in the face but (laughs) that reality of delegation has and uh and the better you are at that the less likely you are to get burnt out and that's just a lesson that they necessarily didn't tell you that in seminary or sometimes you just have to learn just by doing All right, guys. Well, thank you once again for tuning in to Camp Radio. We appreciate you guys listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check out some of our other ones, like follow, share, whatever, uh, any of our podcasts. We appreciate you guys and all that you do. Thank you to our guys here today who came out and spent a little time talking with us. 
Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.